Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 36 of Prog Notes. My name is Destin. And I'm Drew. And today we are listening to From Silence to Somewhere by Wobbler. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. We hope to educate and inspire you to uncover and learn about progressive rock music. And there are a lot of podcasts out there, so we're very honored that you're with us. And we would love to connect with you, so please give us a follow on Instagram, Facebook, or join our Discord server, which is just a chat server to talk with Drew and I, as well as many other fans of the show and Prog Rock. All of these links are in this episode's description. And we always want to say thank you to all of our patrons for helping this show and these episodes happen. You can support the show and become a patron at patreon.com slash prognotes. So Wobbler is a Norwegian progressive rock band formed in 1999 near Hønefoss, Norway, about 63 kilometers or 40 miles from Oslo, the capital. The band currently has five albums over the course of their 22-year career. From Silence to Somewhere was composed between 2014 and 2017 and released on October 20th, 2017. The album runs about 47 minutes across just four songs, featuring the title track as a 21-minute epic. And joining us to talk about the album is the band themselves. So please welcome Marius and Christian. Welcome, guys. Thank you so much. <clears throat> glad, glad to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Uh, I, I was wondering if you guys could uh, introduce yourselves and, and the role that you play in the band. My name is uh, Marius Holleland. I am the guitar player of Wobbler, and I've been a member of the band since uh, 2014. Yeah, he's the he's the new guy. I'm one of the you know the old seniors. <laughs> I'm uh, Christian. Uh, I play bass and bass pedals and sometimes uh, you know like saxophone and and recorders. And I have uh, been a part of the band since its formation, really, in 1995. Oh wow, that's really cool. So you actually might have a a, a better insight into this, Christian. But we were very curious, just from the band name perspective we just wanted to know where that came from what if there's a meaning behind it or what where did that come from it comes from no meaning whatsoever (laughs) (laughs) um it's uh, in my opinion you know band names uh, fall into two categories they're either these profound band names sort of to to you know uh alluring to some hidden meaning some uh some deep message behind it all it's either that or it's just a silly name that someone made up when they were drunk you know <laughs> uh, right like like band names like like uh, i don't know yes is a good example you know yeah a classic yeah. rock band yes it's just yeah yes i don't know it's a silly name but yeah. it's it's still a name and name wobbler is it's the same. It's the same reason behind it. Not necessarily drunk, but I think it's, it was not my idea. But it, it was the idea of uh, Lars, the keyboard player, and uh, Martin, the, the drummer. Yeah. They just. They just. Uh, I think they just thought that the name sounded funny. You know, like Wobbler. Wobbler. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, that's a silly name. Let's <laughs> use it. I think actually Martin found that word in a, in an old English dictionary. They were just paging through it and kind of just rested on the word wobbler. Yeah. So he yeah. It's one of those names I, that's kind of like yes, where it's a uh, it's just a it's it's simple one word but very easy to remember. It's just very simple to yeah, remember. The, it's, not, it's not too hard. Yeah, and I think like in in that because this was like a like an Oxford English dictionary and the wobbler 
has like a British English meaning of something being unpredictable. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So maybe there's maybe there's it's some meaning there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, maybe something. I wonder I wonder if that's still used today or if it's it was an older term that has been, you know, since kind of Actually last time I, I saw that expression being used was in uh King Crimson book actually about Robert Fripp throwing a wobbler. Throwing a wobbler. Throwing a wobbler. Yeah, so we didn't actually pick up Lars Frederick and, you know, defenestrate him or something like that, but uh, it's just like him being unpredictable. I think it was right. around the recording of Red Dust or something, huh. like big changes with lineup. Or, or, or if it was after, I, I, I can't remember exactly, but, uh, but yeah. it was throwing a wobbler is like doing just like a 90 degree wow. turn. Fascinating. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's something I've never, I've never heard of that, of that at all. So that's really cool. Interesting. Absolutely. But that's cool. And that's something that I, I was curious about, uh, Christian, that, that you were saying is there's some bands who really agonize mm. over their names and some that just need yeah. a name and they just yeah. pick it and it, it is just what it is. And I know for Destin and I, we agonized over ours. It's got to have a meaning. Yeah. It's got to be. <laughs> yeah, we did. It's got to be profound. Yeah. It's got to. Mm -hmm. I mean, and we landed on something that we liked, but it took us a while. It wasn't like, oh, let's just pick yeah. this. It was like, no, no. What does this mean? What does this mean? Let's look at some words. Let's think of what we could create, what really reflects our sound. And it's just interesting that, like, you know, how seriously some yeah, bands that's... take it and how other bands <laughs> yeah. don't. Just, I, yeah. I think that's that great. If we were going to, you know, uh, start up a band now like Wobbler, I think we would maybe have mm -hmm. used, you know, more energy into finding a name that we uh, could identify with and this is our music or music put into a word sort of thing. But uh, back then, we just we we just gathered to make music for ourselves, basically in the in the very early days. So having a name was just like right. okay, let's call ourselves that. And and we we didn't back in the day uh, even consider the fact that we were going to make an album. We're just making songs, making music, playing together. So it's right. it's kind of suddenly we're a band and we you know we release an album and suddenly you have your name on on something and okay well then that's the band name i suppose and it's just rolled on from there no absolutely yeah. that's great yeah i just want to add to that because uh, although i've been a member since 2014 i was around when the band was formed because we're from the same town right me and christian here we've been friends since fourth grade i think and uh, we did uh, our first band, like first time we played in the band, was together. Me, Christian, uh, Morten, the original guitarist from Wobbler, was a part of it, and also Tony, uh, the, the guy who sings on the two first albums. Wow. And the thing with this uh, band name too is like, I don't know, it was kind of a little bit of a kind of Dada humor stuff, you know, a little bit like it's functional reform, you know, it's just it, take take a nice funny word and. And Martin found this word, and I think actually that, that that they checked the definition, and then they thought like, okay, well, it kind of fits to them, I guess. Yeah. With this wobbler right. meaning, you know. So, right. but uh, like me and, and uh, Christian and uh, Martin, we also had the trio uh, a little bit later, uh, before wobbler started. Uh, that was just called Uter, which is Norwegian for otter, you know, the sea yeah. mammal, as it were. Yeah. Lars yeah. also became a part of that band actually, and. So, and, and Lars and, and Martin had a band that was called Big Huggy Bug Bear Band. So, <laughs> I mean, the names were kind of, you know, just 
I think you basically uh -huh. can say that we're yeah. we're not really good at names, basically. I think I think that's <laughs> that's the point. No, like, <laughs> names wasn't really important because nobody like envisioned any one of those projects like in in headlights like big. You know, <laughs> that's great. Yeah, that's <laughs> outside Madison Square Garden and stuff like that. You know, For sure, that's really cool. Well, and then you've got stuff like you know, Mr. Big. Okay, that's, that, that's a good All example. Right. Yeah, yeah, that seems. Yeah. And you know, so you've got some kind of interesting like Spock's beard, which is you know that's kind of funny, but it, it's kind of interesting. Got yeah. some sci-fi for Spock, or you know, yeah, yeah. But but then you've got like Mr. Big, and you've got these. Trust me, you know, those both these, those two names are are, are, yeah. are they sound like drunk band names to me. You know, Mr. Big and Spock's <laughs> beard. That's definitely some I adore. I adore corny band names. Actually, I think isn't there an American band called like Half Man, Half Biscuit? Yeah. Oh Lord, I'm sure there is. Yeah, it's, it's I like, haven't heard of them. Glorious but glorious band name, I think Half Man, Half, half Biscuit. Man, yeah. Oh boy, <laughs> that's amazing. Well, moving on from that, that was awesome. It's really cool to see that you guys have uh, more of a history uh, than just you coming into the band in 2014, and you guys. Just, oh yeah. Oh no. We yeah. go way back. We go way back. So. Uh, so Rights of Dawn, I'm going to jump back just a little bit. I know we're talking about this record, but Rights of Dawn was released in 2011. And then three years later, you guys decided to start writing from Silence to Somewhere. And so I, one of the questions that we had was just, what was the spark, I guess, of inspiration that you could call it to start writing another album? Was it just something that you guys came to and just agreed upon a decision? Was it a record label deal? Was it just a musical idea or concept? What, what sort of sparked the idea of, let's start a new album? main point behind that album was actually that Andreas, or, you know, uh, he joined us for Rights at Dawn. And, uh, and he actually had ideas for another album already when we recorded Rights at Dawn. But then oh, cool. he sort of sparked this, this new energy into us because he's a very crafty person and he's very energetic and he, he makes things happen. And the rest of us are a bit, yeah, we, we're a bit slower. To, to you know organize stuff and do all the hard work but he really threw himself into it and so what happened was that we had material but we we chose instead to go uh, to play live so we, uh, yeah. the years after rights was actually we traveled to Italy we traveled to Germany traveled to France and we traveled to Canada and we, we sort of threw ourselves out in this gig circuit kind of thing but uh, and then we had this guitarist problem because the original guitarist uh, Morton, he he quit short after shortly after rights was released. So oh, wow. and we, we hired in sort of you know uh, hired guns to be be on tour and be, and do gigs. And in the end, we find out that we can't keep up like this because we need a guitar player to, to you know to be a part of the band and make song songs with the rest of us. And then hence Marius. Who could be dumb enough to join? Yeah, who could group? be dumb enough to join Wobbler? <laughs> and yeah, we had one. We found one. Yeah, I was actually. Uh, I can just say a little bit about that because uh, uh, yeah, Morten he quit. Band Morten was actually in another band at the same time, which I was in, uh, where he played bass guitar. That was much more like new wave or British heavy metal type of metal yeah. band. Uh, and we and it was a, we worked a lot with that band and. I think for Morten it just became too much because he had like three to four rehearsals a week with both bands 
And uh, Thunderbolt, the band that I had together with him, was very active, playing a lot of gigs and, and stuff like that. And, and Wobbler was just creating this third album, making some more waves and stuff. And I think it was just became a little bit like too much at the same time. So he, he actually quit both bands at the same time. Oh. And I soldiered on a little bit more in Thunderbolt, and I also started growing tired of that band. So I actually quit it around 2012 or 13, I guess. And then I got a call from Christian a while later that they were planning on some gigs in Italy, and that they just wanted me to, to help out, basically. Yeah. You know, as a friend of the band, and just come along. And during that trip, it was kind of agreed that I would carry on in the band. And pretty shortly after that, I started working with some of the Silence to Summer stuff. Because I think, for example, uh, Fermented Hours, I think like some sketches of that song was already touched upon just uh, around the time Morten was leaving the band or even before, I'm, I'm not sure okay. actually, but something like that. Because some of that stuff had been kind of tinkered with before I yeah. yeah. So we we always had an idea that we would make another album, but it's it, it's it's six years, you know, from from 2011 to 20 yeah 2017. Yeah. yeah, and we we always had in in the back of our minds that we were you know going to make another album, but it it wasn't until you know the initial phase of three to four years where we toured and just played live then we that we you know actively took on all the ideas that had accumulated those years and, and and finally you know decided to to hammer them out into proper songs so yeah we always had the album waiting but 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 it, it was not until yeah 14 15 yeah. 16 we started to you know proceed with yeah that's cool you guys yeah. were just busy i remember yeah. actually on the was sorry no, no i was just saying you guys were just busy no, at the time was, yeah uh, i, I uh, very clearly recall that uh, on this trip to italy with what like my first trip for them and my three first gigs and we had some off time between the gigs and it was actually a very good like team building exercise that mm-hmm. being together in italy uh, mm-hmm. at an airbnb in Firenze, i think it was yeah and i think uh, actually i remember andreas was toying around with the verses on the silence to somewhere song yeah, he was just by himself. Oh, yeah, cool! Acoustic guitar. I was like working on sketches with that, and, and uh, yeah, I remember that clearly. That it was something not, like something to it. So I was like, yeah, you know, more of that stuff. Yeah. But he had a lot of that. Those parts half prepared before we worked. Worked. That's on really it. cool. Well, before we launch into uh, from Silence to Somewhere, we are, some of our patrons, listeners of our show, had a question for you about your first full length album, Hinterland. Actually, uh, they asked this. They wanted to. They wanted to know this. About the writing of the song Hinterland, what inspired it? What part may have been written first? And what's the story, if any, behind the song? <laughs> yeah. Maybe um, more of a story, Christian question. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, the song, I can first tell you that the song was originally only 12 minutes long. That was the basic idea. And um, the song structure developed because we we couldn't find a way to finish it basically so we added all the all these transitions and we needed to hey uh, that was a cool theme that we had earlier on let's change it a bit and incorporate it in a different way uh, you, you know just to give, give some flavor to the already presented theme and suddenly we had this gigantic pool of, of, of transitions and themes and 
and suddenly we, we were at 28 minutes. And uh, yeah, that's the basic history of the of the uh, of the form. But what part would make it first? That's uh, that's a tough question because uh, I think most of the song is comes from Lars, the guitar of my um, the keyboard player. He had this. Mm -hmm. um, he basically made up the first 12 minutes and we expanded on them with these transitions that I mentioned. So, uh, and the lyrics, that's a... Uh, <laughs> I actually made a pre-script for the lyrics that was um, about an autistic person trying to communicate with the larger world. That was my lyric idea for it. And I presented this to 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 our, our um, because hinterland in that regard was me meant as a you know uh, I imagine this autistic person having his his hinterland his safe place his 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 background sort of his but he wants to break away from this his his history he wants to break yeah basically away from his hinterland and ex expand into the real world to communicate with others and. That was the idea, and I presented this uh, lyric to Tony, uh, the vocalist. And uh, Tony is a very good vocalist, but he's not necessarily one who writes lyrics himself. So I had a hard time to convey, you know, what I thought at the time was all oh, this deep meaning and this person wanting to expand and he wants to, you know, develop himself. And it didn't go too well, and uh, part of Part of the reason for that is that I'm I don't sing myself or I sing very very badly as Marius can attest to. So so phrasing it, it was more like a more like a long poem or more like a text. I, I hadn't considered you know is this a good ending to to end a phrase on? Is this word right. good enough to uh, to to sing upon to draw out? Is this I, I basically just gave him a script and I. In hindsight, I can understand why he, you know, struggled with the phrasings and the meanings. So, yeah. I, uh, but we we got some help basically from from the producer that we where we recorded the uh, the album, Öystein Vessels, and our Kjetil um, Einarsen, uh, formerly of Yaga Assist. He plays flute on the album, and he, uh, the three of us, we basically molded the text into something that you were able to sing basically because as i said it was just a script and just a story that that i had and those two helped me to you know um, they simplified it basically because i had all these ramblings about you know yeah sort of like a first chapter in a book really but so it's still about the person wanting to engage in the world from a from a sort of, sort of hidden place that he feels safe but he knows that we right. have to break out to be part of something bigger and yeah etc and that's that's kind of what i got when when listening to to hinterland is you know like like you said it's kind of a warning about the dangers of being trapped within your own mind and having that need to reach out to to another perspective or another way of reasoning you know kind yeah. of saying that staying trapped in your own mind is a dangerous thing because we all need to connect with others in order to grow and Otherwise, I really like the lyric. You know, this journey's bliss will be the end of me. I, I like that. It's 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 very simple, but it's 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 a very you know yeah. it's a, it's very profound. I think in a way. So the comfort and familiarity of our own mind 
can cause us to deteriorate or stagnate rather. Yeah, I think that was uh, that was actually the yeah that was the idea behind that text line. Basically, that if you stay, it's nice to be you know alone with your own thoughts, but if you do it right. for too long and you think about things too much and too hard, you become trapped because you you don't get any input from 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 other people right. from other you know other expressions and so on. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really cool. Very cool. Very, very cool. Uh, it's it's clear that a, a lot of thought goes into all of these pieces, and I, I really enjoy that. It shows through in the music. You take your time between each release as well. So it's just interesting because when we're you know when we study these you know prog pioneers, you know the very first ones, you know the industry at that time they they had to record and tour and record and tour and record and tour constantly. So you'd see them putting out records every year, sometimes two in one year. Right. But every year, every two years, there was hardly ever a span of five years where they didn't do something. There's obviously exceptions to the rule, but uh, generally that was just kind of the process. But it's, it's clear that you guys uh, you know, have the ability to take some time to work on each piece. And I, I really appreciate that. Uh, I think it's a testament to the fact that you can't really rush art. Uh, you know, it takes time to, to make it what you want, to make it the kind of thing that you can be proud of. And it pays off. Uh, and, and it's clear because uh, this album got some spectacular reviews we were looking up just some of what oh, yeah. people were saying about this and people people really really enjoyed this and uh we usually have a, a section on here where i kind of go through and i look through and give a couple of excerpts from from people's uh reviews on this uh but prog archives very popular kind of centralized database of a lot of prog rock bands um, and albums gave it an aggregate score of 4.37 out of 5 out of 726 users. 52% gave it a perfect score and 30% gave it a 4 out of 5. So 82% of people rank this as something that you definitely have to check out. Um, one person mentioned uh, that you go for quality over quantity, like I just said. Um, yeah. They said they, they could have clogged the discography with overlong uh, CDs. Uh, I think they mentioned another band that had done that. Um, and that can sometimes mean a serious hit or miss. And it's clear that Wobbler didn't want to go that way. They went quality over quantity. There's no doubt about it. From Silence to Somewhere is Wobbler's crowning achievement uh, and a must-have. Um, I think that e- even some of the classic older prog bands, some of them that I love, some of my very favorite bands, they can sometimes be a bit self-indulgent and uh, allow their albums to go on for too long. Sometimes it seems as if yeah. there's not very much critical thought that goes into the writing process every now and then. Uh, and, you know, sometimes things that are overly long just get thrown onto the album. Uh, and this uh, cred, I can attest to some of the music that we've written. Definitely Destin every now and then I'll, I'll listen to some of the stuff and yeah. I'm like that. Why, why is that there? Why, <laughs> why, why is that there? Yeah. Um, but I, I, I really appreciate this record um, in particular. It, it doesn't wander off the path here. From Silence to Somewhere, it retains the progressive rock trait of, of lengthier st- songs while still maintaining salience with each composition. Um, and on top of that, uh, it's not too long. It's, it's like it's 46 minutes. It's what you would expect from like a classic prog rock, you know, experience. Um, and yet it still offers an abundance of excellent music. Um, my question to this very long preamble is <laughs> how, how much yeah, how editing froggy of you. say what? How froggy of you. I know, right? Yeah. Oh, for real? Now I'm being self-indulgent. Yeah, uh, yeah, you are. So how, you just gotta stop how and much, ask. <laughs> how much editing do you do in writing these longer pieces? Uh, have there been certain riffs or concepts that that you had to sacrifice 
that were particularly difficult to part with, perhaps? And if so, why were they omitted? Can you remember like experiences where it was like, that's, that's gotta go. It's cool, but it's gotta go. <laughs> or maybe not. Or maybe not. Um, hmm. Yeah, well, from the two albums that I can like speak personally from, sure. uh, it wasn't like really huge parts or like sections of songs that had to be kind of dropped. Mm -hmm. uh, it's more like uh, some ideas. Uh, it was actually two two song ideas that went back into the shed, actually. But uh, there wasn't any drastically altered to what we already had as like building blocks for the for the songs. As far as like usually, that. it's. I think we never have dropped anything and said, "Okay, this this can't be a part of the song." Instead, we we you know sort of reworked it and maybe shortened it a bit. Sure. If we have a we have a, a part that can you know on rehearsal we you know build it up for four minutes, and the result on on the record can be the same elements but condensed into. I don't know, one and a half to two minutes. So it's more sure. it's more a thing that we develop an idea and we try it on and we play it or rehearse it uh, longer than it ends up on the record. So I, I don't think we've scrapped anything, or I'm sure we have scrapped something, but in the final process, when you, when you put together, put the song together, uh, I think it's more more that we've you know either shortened it, shortened the idea or made it simpler, or we have used a part of an idea for a, for a transition. So I think all the idea is still there, but maybe used in a different way than we, you know, the, the original uh, idea was. Maybe it was right. a, a melody line or, or some, some uh, rhythmic uh, thing that, uh, you know, that you can go on for three minutes and develop and develop and develop and sort of condensed it into, okay, that's a, that riff is actually a transition. We use that and it, for you know right. like like twenty seconds, and then okay, that that was that. I don't think we really scrapped whole parts of songs ever. I think we reworked them into something, you know, some something else. And in a lot of ways, you know, if you like make a part of a song, you don't always know where it's gonna go when you bring it to the band because usually, like somebody has like, okay, I have like a keyboard part here. And then everybody else makes their own parts to go along with it. Right. Uh, and sometimes like you're counting your own riff, like there's the one. And then somebody else in the band's like, but I hear like the one another, at another stage in the riff, right. you know, and, and then it could be like, okay, but that's actually way cooler and right. stick with that. Right. So it, it's, it is very democratic in a way because everybody can be like all up in each other's stuff. Right. Basically, like, you know, and that's allowed and uh, makes for a very democratic process. But sometimes it takes a little bit of time right. know, to iron out everything. I, I really love that. I, I think that's one thing I, I love about bands in general. I, I feel like I've mentioned this several times on the show, but it's really cool that that's kind of how a, a band works. It's not like a song is written. There you go. It's written together, right? Not one person. It's, yeah. you know, so many different pieces here and there that you're trying to fit together and you're trying to form this puzzle that you didn't even know was there, you know? Yeah. You know? <laughs> and and one, one thing is like, uh, and, and uh, like not to like talk down Morten or anything because he, I really look up to him as a guitarist and he's my, one of me and Christian's best friends, you know, but he was much more of like uh, a prepared musician. You know, he wasn't really that much into jamming that much. 
but so so we do uh, a fair amount more of that now. A lot of the interesting stuff happened with that. Sometimes we go into like twenty minute frenzies almost. You know, if if the wow the stars are in alignment and stuff, we can actually keep it going for a while, which is quite fun. We have some pretty wild recordings <laughs> from some rehearsals where we just let go. You know, yeah. That's a fun. That's that's. I think that's a new dimension, maybe a new right. Yeah. yeah, it is, and that's what I was mentioning earlier. That from these twenty minutes of jamming and wild ideas, and uh, maybe yeah. you know, <laughs> one minute of that material ends up in a song. But we've still we've still tried that idea out in in right. almost every configuration or, that we can think of, and yeah. we we just decided that okay, it's it. That melody line with that rhythmic groove with that uh, bass underneath. Okay, that's good. We use we use that. And mm. sometimes it's just a transition. Other times it can be two minutes of music, four minutes of music. Uh, yeah, etc. So, uh, and I think that's that's a new thing, as Marius mentioned, because Wobbler in the uh, earlier days was a very much more prepared band. Uh, Lars was making songs on his keyboard, and he just in the very beginning, he made songs and told us what to play. Basically, that was how it started. And then we, we loosened up, loosened up a bit, and we, uh, me and Morton, I remember, we added things, sort of, oh wow, things that we had worked on. And and uh, when Marius joined and Andreas, we we sort of loosened up and starting to you know jam out ideas more than we had ever done, I think, before that time. So. Uh, yeah, because Andreas is also great there. I mean, on, when we have jam sessions, he doesn't need to have any lyrics to work off of. He goes into, you know, the Holy Ghost enters him and he can, he can go into like a frenzy singing just gibberish just to check out, you know, vocal melodies and stuff like that. And it's just, it's very fun to watch actually. And uh, uh, from my house here on the West Coast, I have, I think we have, it's a more uh, approaching 23 minute uh, jam that's based on what became... Uh, <laughs> Uh, what's it called? Mary Macabre, the last song on the newest album. Oh, cool. And it has a lot of the main parts that ended up on the song, but it, on the jam, it just goes down to the Middle East and it just stays there forever. And it's yeah, quite but... fun to listen to it now, afterwards, you know, that it's kind of. And, and uh, there you can listen. Andreas yeah. is in full flight on that, on that recording, you know, checking out all kinds of vocal ideas. That's really That's cool. so fun. That's really... It's really fun. Dancing around yeah. with one tambourine in one hand and a bear in another, you know. <laughs> It seems like you guys are definitely holding loose to your ideas for the sake of the song. Yeah. So yeah, you guys are pulling as you're kind of, yeah. yeah. And rather than coming in with really prepared ideas and set on, this is what we're going to do. It's just like, let's jam for 25 minutes, but maybe only one minute of that actually ends up in the song because it's worth putting it in the yeah. song. That's really, that's yeah. brilliant. It just makes sense. It's not, it's, it's a nice right. window to have like slightly open, you know, so just stuff can fly in. Absolutely. Yeah. Whenever. Absolutely. Absolutely, but at, at at the same at the same time, uh, we still have songs like from uh, the song "By the Banks" from Dollars of the Deep" or, or latest album. Uh, that's Lars. That's a song made from scratch by by oh, wow. him. all the way, and all the way, and and he's prepared bass lines. He prepared. Right. Uh, I get the ability. You know, I can sneak in some of my own ideas <laughs> at certain points, but. The main structure, both drums and keyboards and melody lines, are all his. So we we still have have that element of if 
if someone you know goes to that deep end and makes a song from scratch, we will still try try it on and see if it fits. And if it fits, we we will use it. So we I think we're kind of at a we found a golden you know uh, yeah a golden area where we can if someone has a full song okay we'll we we'll try it. But at the same time, if someone just have um, have a couple of loose ideas, okay, we'll see if they can fit and we will go from there. So it's really both, but uh, it's it's become right. on rehearsal, it's become much freer after Andreas and Marius joined. The ability to just, hey guys, I have this riff, let's just see what we can do with, do with it. Yeah, mm. that's uh, that's a new element. Yeah. Or, New element at least for that's really cool. I think yeah. we kind of discovered that a little bit with From Silence to Summer because it, it is kind of a good mix between stuff that just jammed out and stuff that is prepared. And even though some things are prepared, like in, in the case of By the Banks, like uh, Lars made a lot of the stuff already when we heard it. He had like an excellent MIDI version. Actually, a lot of the guitars on that is something he played on, um, I think it was Cabinet. Okay, and I and uh, I what worked on the guitar from the clavinet I used and some other stuff we we created ourselves. But it's 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 all kinds of approaches actually uh, within the band, and I think that's a yeah. very nice way to to kind of have definitely all the alleyways open on how yep. you can actually create create something. Yeah, you know that's great. Yeah, and it's Absolutely. very good training and again team building, this jamming stuff. You know, we play off each other, and uh, it, actually I have a lot of fun listening to some of these recordings because we always try to record the jams. And you can hear like over the years that you know you get even more like intuitive towards each other. And <clears throat> obviously, f for my part, joining the band, I, I played with Martin in other bands. I played with Christian in other bands. So we kind of know each other a little bit and know where we're coming from, respectively. And and it's nice to finally get to play even more together and see yeah. that we can actually bring all this familiarity back into Wobbler too. And uh, and there also it's like Andreas is an important element there when it comes to songwriting, because uh, like I mentioned a little bit earlier with these band names, like okay, we do take what we do seriously, but we're like not always the most serious people, you know. We, you know, we <laughs> yeah. play around, fool around a lot, and we've known each other for a long time too. So there's a lot of water under the bridge. Sometimes it's like if if one comes up with a riff and idea and you know it's almost guaranteed that somebody else is like oh that sounds a little bit new you know, or like we like go really ironic about it or whatever you know mm -hmm. but Andreas is then the guy who just comes in and is like hey that's nice let's take it seriously you guys and try <laughs> 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 seriously because I mean as others we can just like yeah you know you know it's you know so uh -huh. so we have a good chemistry going now you know with yeah. That's great. That's really <laughs> cool. Another uh, another reviewer on all music, his name is Mike Green, gave the record a four out of five and, and had to say this on the subject of the album's originality, which we found interesting. It says, and I quote here, Wobbler's 27 rele 2017 release ticks a lot of boxes on the classic prog checklist. Rickenbacker bass, check. Plenty of vintage keyboards, check. A, a clear high voice up front, check. And what keeps this album from being purely a history lesson is the quality of the songs. While all good prog bands need to write lengthy epics to show off their talents, these songs stand nicely on their own rather than just as exercises in instrumental prowess or playing spot the influence. Uh, the title track from Silence is yeah. Somewhere 
reflects this ideal, the most effectively playing a well-developed game of theme and variation variations over the course of its 21 minutes. And so as we read in this, one of the, one of the questions that one of our patrons actually had for you is that uh, he, he asked this, he says, you wear your 70s influences pretty prominently on your sleeves, but what are some of the new elements that you bring to your music that you're most excited about or feel most represent your band? Mm. That's a tricky question. I think, you know, when it comes to the 70s thing, uh, it's more like uh, when the band was created, you know, like the, the mission statement was like to, to be able to play music that not very many people, uh, especially where we grew up, you know, knew about or cared about or anything, or, 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 or that's how I remember it, Christian, that that's why you did yeah, it. Yeah, you know? it's true. So, so, and that's because, you know, we came also from like 70s rock and 60s rock. And it's something about the way they smash the drums and, uh, you know, but everything <laughs> has a little bit of hair on it. Yeah. You know, just like we, like us. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, like, uh, so I don't think it's like anymore we're like sitting down and saying like, oh, right. this is not like 70s enough. You know, it's just like, right. it's just how we do things. Because we are children of the 90s as well, you know, we were teenagers in the 90s and the 90s was like a big retro decade. So not even in just like stumbling over more obscure music forms, but like in, in regular mainstream pop music, there was like retro stuff everywhere, you know, people using more older guitar sounds, bass sounds, everything. So I think it's just like maybe a part of where we come from. And when it comes to new elements, I think it's just... That we just try to, you know, do what falls naturally, rather than saying that we need to have this sounding more like that band that gets mentioned quite often. Yeah. For example, it's just like so. I, so that yeah. I, so. Yeah. I'm just seventies references and and what's new. I I sometimes get a bit confused about why <laughs> uh, why people want. You know why they hear such a strong degree of 70s prog rock in the music i think yeah i play rickenbacker i love the sound and then andreas has a very high-pitched voice not unlike a certain vocalist in a certain band called yes <laughs> but I, I i still feel that that's uh, like maurice were saying we're not trying on a quote and see is this 70s enough or is this does this sound enough like these golden uh, you know golden era bands uh, it's rather the opposite we have had you know riffs and ideas that we've tuned out thrown out because because it sounds too much like you know uh, either gentle giant king crimson yeah. right oh yeah people who just haven't known how much we rejected that it's like that's that's too close yeah. dude so but the, the the funny thing is that those riffs that we've you know we've thrown them out because we in our ears they sound too like some something that's been made before. The reason that they were made was not to sound alike. It was just something that popped up, and on rehearsal we suddenly discovered that okay, this if you add that part and I add that part, this <laughs> this is this sounds like Gentle Giant. Okay, it sounds very like yeah. Gentle Giant. Okay, it sounds too much like Gentle Giant. Okay, scrap it. We can't, we can't yeah. use this because, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and I just so, uh, wanted to add to that, uh, you know, um, maybe people don't think too much about that, that know about Wobbler and listen to Wobbler, that 
like going back to when the band started, it wasn't like wasn't any kind of idea, as far as I know, with the band to be progressive as in the literal sense of the word, because this was just like a, a labor of love, love, you know, just uh, wanting to to do uh, use some of the same methods and and I guess like ideology, you you could say, sure, uh, yeah, and sonics that was like back then because. We were aware that there were like you know progressive elements or like progressive uh, music being produced uh, all all since you know the seventies and stuff like that, but never really appealed to any of the original members or me personally. I think because you know we were into the seventies and sixties music when we were kids, um, and that just and happened. the reason why why we're into it, I think, is the is the warmth of the recording and is is the use of. Uh, real instruments, I guess. In this day and age, you have to. You can say that real instruments. No, for real. Played yeah, without, you're absolutely right. You know, yeah. uh, too, but it's kind of yeah, without, but it's kind of weird because for us, those records sounds like you know, that's a really cool sound. But I guess for a lot of these original, you know, classic prog artists, uh, those records didn't really have the fidelity that they maybe really wanted because a lot of them, you know, the Stephen Wilson remasters and stuff like that. It's like, yeah, now it's closer to how we wanted it to sound and i'm thinking okay that's pheno- uh, what's it called phenomenology <laughs> working because to me personally that's the thing i like with those records it is a little bit more shady sound and and the way they did it and the crud on it you know and the mystique uh, about the whole thing and uh, yeah yeah no that's great hey, that yeah. Make, yeah but uh, the question the question was yeah uh, just to uh, the question about what we think is new or newer that we yes. know, uh, add to yeah. our music. I think, uh, yeah, uh, I think that, uh, as I said earlier on, there's a difference between listening to music or listening to Wobbler and playing in Wobbler <laughs> like I do. Because I think that all of us actually brings new things uh, into Wobbler. It's, it's just that we, on record, we use the same techniques and the same, uh, you know, the same grittiness, the same uh, concepts, same ideas, and you know, vintage instruments, recording style, old microphones, all that. So maybe on record it sounds <laughs> old, in you know, in in quotes, just because right. of the the way it sounds. But the the playing itself, or, or the melody line, or the bass line on certain parts, uh, is I don't know. Uh, to some extent, new. Uh, I've. I mean, I know that Lars has used, you know, chords and runs, keyboard runs, and myself, I have, you know, played bass runs that are. Uh, I don't know. New in the sense that it's right. it's nothing similar to, to anything I've ever heard. It's just that being played on on a vintage Rickenbacker through a valve amp recorded by a microphone from the 50s it sort of sounds old yeah. but the mu- the musical notes the tones itself and the the way they are put together isn't necessarily that old uh, so uh, i think we produce new stuff that's the way we we produce new stuff but we use recording techniques and instruments that you know make it sound old and maybe people you know latch on to the way it no, sounds totally rather than you know, what it is listening to the notes, notes being yeah. played yeah, yeah i think the, the use of yeah, modern for, for technology example, not, not like old. Hmm? 
Sorry. Sorry, I was. <laughs> I was just wanna just add a, add a little bit more to that because uh, and sometimes we take influences that are maybe older but not from particular program. Just right. one example from that is just little little pieces. Uh, that, that's on five rooms from the newest album. Uh, the guitar in the worst there when I made that mm-hmm. guitar line, I was thinking Johnny Marr, you know the the eighties guitarist. Yeah. You know, from the Smiths and stuff like that. I was right. thinking, yeah, right. put a little bit of Johnny Marr in that stuff. Like, I wasn't right. thinking, oh, Steve Howe. Right. <laughs> you know, them, them dudes, yeah. you know. <laughs> That's funny. So, so it, it is actually a little bit of all kinds of things uh, going on in in the inspiration uh, in Wobbler. Because it, all of us have kind of been at the, like, I'm binge progging. It's like, ah, oh, prog all the time, 24-7, you know. Everybody's been there, but I don't right. think any of the members only listen Absolutely. to 70s prog. Yeah, we, we listen have, to you know, everything from... Yeah. We've been there, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to, to ask one more of our, our patrons' questions. Uh, they they asked, what, what got you into progressive rock? Was was it these bands first? And maybe when, maybe that's a, a little bit better of a question, is, is when and, and what kind of drew you to this style because like you said you take a variety of influences but you obviously like the prog rock and uh, i'm just wondering was there like a defining moment or was it just over the years it just kind of culminated and had a snowball effect i have two defining moments i think to answer that question uh the first one is me and morton the original guitar player uh mm-hmm. my oldest friend along with marius uh we discovered just Hell. that was uh and mm-hmm. The earliest gestural record, total records, they aren't necessarily progressive, but we sort of lashed onto this English, uh, I don't know, pastoral idea, and um, it sort of went on from there. And we we discovered the more progressive sides of gestural, and but before even before that, we were into you know Deep Purple, Led Zeppelin, yeah. Black Sabbath, all the you know the vintage right. uh, goodies. That was our background, and then. Suddenly, we latched onto Jetruthel and the more, you know, uh, thick as a brick, or, 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 uh, and things started to get, you know, in our ears when we, I guess we were like 13, 14 years old. And we just latched, latched onto this, wow, that was different. That was, I mean, listen to that guitar. What, what's it doing? That's, that's not rock and roll, but it's very interesting. And it sort of went from there. That's the first example from you know being drawn into the progressive side the other one is actually cool. marius's father because his father is also a guitarist and he had a, a rather large record collection and i have heard i'd sort of in the back of my head you know uh, heard about this band called yes and i you know back in the day we had parties because his father was out he, he was on gig and playing and we we rided his you know his liquor cabinet and the Oh, it was beautiful, guys. This was the first year of uh, senior high. Uh, he worked a lot in the yeah. studio. He was out gigging. So he came, he went to work when I went to school. No, he came home from work when I went to school. And then he went nice. back to work when I came home from school. So I was basically living alone in a grown musician's house. Lots of right. guitars. <laughs> and liquor. And liquor. And liquor. And liquor. <laughs> and liquor. Oh, that was awesome. Yeah, yeah it was an epic, epic uh, party oh, yeah. at that house. But... Back when, back when you could have I... parties. Back when, yeah, yeah. Back, back when you could actually yeah, yeah. interact with someone face to face. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Really, no, yeah. Classic party uh, years, those, those years. Yeah. Right. Ooh. But 
I mention it because I found uh, Fragile in his record collection, yeah, in Morris's father's record collection. And I put on, probably a bit drunk, I, I don't know, but he had also had a very good uh, hi-fi, uh, you know, uh, a stereo. So I put on the record, and the first, no, no, it, it wasn't Fragile, it was uh, Close to the Edge, the opening of Close to the Edge with weird noises, at least to me, that it, it was kind of like, and I couldn't, I couldn't actually grasp it. I just heard his noises and I heard bass started playing and the drums came in and I just, what the fuck is this? It, it just sounded like w w when I was 15, 16 years old, maybe it was just like, okay, this is what it is. It's just chaos. And I put it off. I, you know, let's listen to some, yeah, some other music. This was, this was too weird. But then, uh, you know, only six months later or maybe an hour, I, I was intrigued by this record. So I, at the same house, actually, probably at another party, I put it on again. And then suddenly the meaning, and I listened more, and it just exploded. And I think the way into progressive rock for me is the, you know, the liberties those bands were able to let themselves have was, was something new. Because... To me, it yeah. sounded like just like a bunch of guys who played. They played what they wanted to play, uh, and that's been kind of kind of an ideology ever since. It's not that I don't like you know uh, more strict forms of rock or pop or indeed classical music. I'm, a, I'm very fond of classical music, but that's very strict. It's, it's rules. It's uh, yeah. To me, the, the world just sort of exploded when I cracked the, the close to the edge uh, conundrum and I, it's just guys putting together music that I mean they can play what they want and suddenly I wanted yeah, to yeah it just seemed like they didn't care yeah just like that and I, I yeah the freedom in you know just three or four people just starting something and playing whatever they whatever they thought sounds good that was the you know the ticket into progressive rock uh, as a genre for me at least it's a great phrase it's cracked the close to the edge conundrum love that yeah that's awesome <laughs> there's your there's your headline right there no that's excellent yeah. yeah for me that was that that was a similar experience with selling by the pound i was already into prog rock but my gateway into genesis was uh i heard selling by the pound like the first time i'm like okay i'm not really getting it second time i'm like Okay, there's some cool more things here and the third time it was like someone slapped me in the face so hard i was like how did i not realize this is absolute genius and it just struck me but yeah, yeah anyways well as we've uh as we've mentioned before we were talking about from silence to somewhere is just four tracks right and and but in those four tracks as we've talked about a little bit there's just plethora of musical ideas and concepts that are a part of the record and we were very interested, specifically Drew was very, very interested in some of the concepts of the record. So we wanted to, we wanted to talk with you guys just a little bit about um, how maybe either some of the musical ideas got adopted into the concept or the lyrical concept. Drew is very interested in that. I'll let him sort of take the reins on the lyrical process. I know Andreas isn't here, but we just wanted to talk with you guys, maybe your approach on uh, the lyrics being brought in and what your approach was when coming into the music, starting with just the title track. Obviously, we'll we'll, we'll just stick with the long song for now. <laughs> yeah. 
before we go into any of the other stuff. So. Well, the the lyrics for the for the main song from Silence of Summer is kind of directly inspired by uh, some pretty heavy tragedy that uh, that Andreas uh, went through because he lost his mo uh, his mother was killed oh. in a traffic accident. Oh my and holy he cow! Was just recovering from you know uh, you know working through the the sorrow the whole process with that and. I think that maybe inspired him to like a part of it is, you know, a transformation between states, you know, from from one thing to another, as it were. Yeah. And and although everything changes, and you know, just kind of keeps going, there is kind of a central thread to everything. Like there is something that you can trace through all the permutations, maybe. Yeah. You know. So. So it's like so death resurrection or just like you know going through states. It's it's kind of central to to the, the to the lyrics of, of that song and and to the whole album as well. Uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, I know that Andreas he said about you know the previous album rights uh, rights of dawn. Yes, he made uh, he made all you know the lyrics to rights of dawn as well. And if you listen to Rise of Dawn, it's very open, it's very bright, it's almost like a newborn, you know, yeah. seeing the world for the first time, kind of running through the meadows. Then he lost his mother and went through, you know, all, he was very close to his mother, so it, it, it's, it, yeah. Uh, and he started on this concept, as Mario said, of transformation and uh, death, but also resurrection and basically changing between uh, different states of being. And Andreas being Andreas, always with a lyrical, you know, lyrical and poetic mind, uh, mm -hmm. he sort of took his own experience. It's just me guessing, but I, I guess he would be agree, could agree. In he took yeah. those, you know, his own experiences with you know sudden loss and dealing with it and getting through it, and he expanded that up to a universal sort of human concept. And of course, he added you know, mythological writings about transformation process. And uh, I think that's basically the, the lyrical background for uh, from Samus to yeah. Summer. Because it is kind of a, wow. it is a little mix of, of things, you know, and also one uh, theme that kind of gets mixed into this uh, throughout the album is uh, alchemy. Yeah, because that's also, you know, transformation of states and, and stuff like that. So it kind of lends itself a little bit to it. And and also, Andreas has always been keen on uh, Greek uh, mythology, uh, Norse as well, you know. But you see a little bit more of that more clearly, for example, on uh, on Dwellers of the Deep than on From Sounds to Summer. But but it, it is part of the of the whole makeup of the yeah. modular universe, as per se. But like it's always interesting it's nice to hear people's interpretations of the lyrics and stuff but it's also again coming back to people making it their own you know that that that's also very interesting to see you know that that's what makes art art i guess you know that you know from us to you guys and what happens in between there and how you kind of receive it that's that's really fun and the more pregnant, you could say, the music or the lyrics are, the the you know more fertile grounds there are for interpretations too. So it's it's always interesting, but it's also a, something that maybe you think sometimes you can be a little bit careful talking about because it's bad to ruin people's you know if it, it kind of they've attached a lot of meaning to this or that. You know, it's a shame if 
right. me or Cristiano Andreas came and pooped on it. Yeah, I, I find it fascinating. I, I, as we were, as I was looking through these and I was reading through this, and uh, the the thing that really stuck out to me, and I don't know, I'm not speaking for Drew. This is just myself, but it was a it was a heavy sort of fantasy type of and and mythology type of idea there and it felt like it was extremely deep like i could have gone like i didn't go that far into it personally no drew went a lot further than i did but i was like okay this is like fantasy and there's mythology and italian like he's speaking italian like there's all these different elements there and i felt like that was so deep in of itself but what i find so fascinating is under all all of that Mm -hmm. is a personal level there's there's a personal experience that's attached to that and not, it's not being buried. I know that it's it's going hand in hand. Absolutely. But it's so interesting. You you wouldn't have known. You I I wouldn't have known that unless you told me that there was a personal experience attached to it. It just felt like it was very cerebral and fantasy like and yeah. um, throwing in different elements of mythology and stuff like that. That is so fascinating and really really cool and adds another layer to the record that I now going and listening to it will be able to hear. Nice, and, nice. and be able to pull that out of. So thank you for that. That's really cool. No, that, that's actually that's one thing that I really that we all I think admire a lot with Andreas is uh, that he has this kind of knack for tying together both the celestial and the earthy kind mm-hmm. of. And that's a little bit him yeah. as a stage persona as well because he is kind of you know he, he does the whole frontman thing. Like he can do mm-hmm. the golden god, the golden god stuff, but he's also kind of very approachable. Like he's a geezer, like anybody else, you know. So I think a little bit, you know, the the marriage of those two. I think he also managed to 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 get that also crossing the lyrics uh, sometimes. And when it comes to the lyrics on the album, uh, actually, one I I think it turned out pretty great. But we were fretting a bit about it, and that is actually fermented hours. Because thematically, of course, it's very much in the vein of, you know, transmogrification or, you know, some kind of one state to another. Because on the surface, it's about like a Italian old mag- magi who kind of gives himself food poisoning to, to experience visions and some kind of, you know, higher insight and stuff. But it was like wearing on the, in the gray area of is this like, is this like a kind of a novelty lyric type of thing? And I remember me and Andreas we were toying around some some more serious uh, subjects, but I couldn't really get it to fit, you know. And and it's not it's not like huh. a joke lyric either, but it kind of in its own way fits nicely within the more heavier stuff in Foxlight and and from Summer to Summer. Yeah, I have to say I I love yeah. Fermented Hours. I, I really liked a lot of the lyrics on this record because uh, I mean, as Destin kind of gave a little bit of. A, preface there i love a lot of fantasy stuff uh you know i I don't Mm -hmm. dig as deep as some of the fandoms that there are out there on a lot of things but i I really like that kind of whole motif that whole kind of older world esoteric knowledge all that kind of stuff and this present oh yeah we we grew up with that big that's awesome because it's not it's it's on here but like you were saying it is grounded in something relatable too sometimes people fixate too much on like their cool world that they're building and crud even some of my my favorite bands do that where i'm like i have no idea what you're talking about but i kind of like the the feel of this but you have the element of of realism in there of like yeah there's a meaning behind this and i could definitely take those pieces out and be like yeah i mean like we're talking about with silence from somewhere the whole kind of duality of nothingness what a great i'm sorry once i read the lyrics going back and that that name is brilliant from silence to somewhere 
it's it's a fantastic it, it really typifies the whole duality of, of nothingness to to life and i love that mm -hmm. fermented hours to to go back to what you were it's ambiguous enough too yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of meaning that you <laughs> can pull out. And that's great because it's it's great when you can have, I mean, like you said, that's kind of a thing with art is you're starting with something that's that's introspective in a way. It comes from something personal. And you branch it out to make it relatable to, to, to some other people where they can pick their meaning from that. And uh, I think that's mm -hmm. great. With Fermented Hours, uh, I I really enjoyed it a lot because it was, it wasn't, I, it was just, it was very nerdy and I loved that so much. The alchemy aspect, I loved it. And I was like, I, yeah, that's awesome. I have no idea like what these ingredients are. I was going to ask, do those ingredients mean something? Did you guys like look up like, oh, fish, you know, fermented in, in this type of wine or soaked in this type of wine is supposed to be an ingredient that will bring Two pounds of apple. laughter as an essence of life. I was wondering if you guys like went that far down the rabbit hole or if Andreas did or if he ever presented these ideas to you. Andreas probably got inspired by some uh, some some stuff that he read, you know. So like he's very much into like a lot of mythology and uh, probably did some research with uh, maybe within alchemy too when he wrote that lyric, right? Because sometimes he also like Christian told about you know this whole script for the Imperial Winter White. Uh, Andreas sometimes can work in some interesting ways with. Um, with albums like going back to our most recent album, Dwellers of the Deep, uh, this was on an airplane travel, I think, to a gig in, I don't remember if it was Portugal or Spain, but he was had actually drawn like a map That's so awesome. of the themes of the new album with like coloring and everything, yeah. you know? Yeah, I love that kind of stuff when when a concept can be very big and, and you're kind of building your own world, you're adding these really different, these elements, you know, that can really encourage the listener to exercise their imagination a lot and sometimes that, that doesn't happen mm. sometimes i think from sounds to somewhere does that beautifully so i uh, just have to commend you on that and i encourage anyone who's listening if if you haven't really taken the time to to look at the lyrics or listen to them look them up and i think you'll find uh, an even newer appreciation for this so the lyrics um, are on the web page for each album so you can just go there and, 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 and you know download them or read them in your browser that's uh, that's great but i i wanted to add that mm -hmm. that maybe especially about fermented hours but also about andrea's um, lyrics in general is that uh, yes there's heavy subjects there's you know alchemy there's this esoteric you know old world feeling but it's also very much humor because Andreas he he writes I don't know serious lyrics of course they're about something there's a meaning behind it but if you listen to or read the fermented hours lyrics you, uh, me at least you have to you know giggle a bit as well because it's right. uh, it's about you know this sorcerer in in a tower searching for right. uh, you know the essence of life and he makes. He makes all this with, with you know, fishes in oil and glued, uh, garlic and uh, all that stuff. And he has visions. I mean, it's it's a little part Monty Python as well. You know, this old man mixing together, missing mixing together these different stuffs and yeah. maybe a bit of that and a bit of that. And suddenly he yeah. he, he becomes you know high right. and has visions about some higher reality. It's a it's it's a bit tongue in cheek as well. And, and I know that that was Andrea's meaning as well, because 
he sings this yeah. this stuff on stage, you know, with this most sincere voice, and and he makes it real. But at the same time, it's ah, it's a bit of that old, uh, you know, English humor, Jethro Tullish thing behind it. That you know, it's a bit <laughs> silly. Come on, it's it's a bit silly, but but it stands on its own, right? Nevertheless, and then I think that's a right. good balance to have because a lot of prog bands or, or a lot of bands, indeed, they write sometimes write lyrics that are, you know, so profound that you have to giggle because of yeah yeah pretentious without any humor attached to it, and that's when I sort of make a giggle and okay and I feel that yeah that's the right. same thing I feel about you know yes lyrics just to take an example, that's also way out there. And sometimes I just have to, you know, I have to laugh a bit because, okay, that was nice, but what is it really about? Yeah, and and, and I think, uh, like, uh, yeah, it is tongue-in-cheek, and it's also, uh, we have kind of, you know, a lot of humor with also the musical passages. Like, if we we laugh a lot, then it's a good uh, session with, with, like, making music because... Uh, because it, it, it is uh, a, a very entertaining genre of music, this. And, uh, you know, going back to a little bit uh, to when you kind of discovered program, when you, you were like heavy into it, I mean, spent so many hours on Morten's couch, you know, the original guitarist, uh, post-bong, this was when we were younger, uh, just laughing, just rolling off the sofa, laughing myself silly, over these insane passages and uh, transitions and ideas and everything, and it's not like you're not laughing down at it. You're just you're just laughing in amazement. You know, it's just like a reaction, just like this is crazy. You know that stuff. Yeah. And like, if we can kind of recreate sometimes that reaction among our, ourselves when we work with new songs, then that's uh, always a good sign. I remember when we came up like with certain passages, yeah. it's like, what if we try and do that thing yeah. the last round, but just in major key, what happens then, you know? Um, yeah. And if everybody is like, oh man, that's crazy, you know? And we, we get a laughing fit from, from how it sounds. And then it's like, then it's probably a good thing. You know? So it's, it's not like we're, we, we didn't sit around back then and say like, oh, that's so smart and right. complicated. Right. Well, we said like, okay, that, that's really complicated. Example being, you know, the Christian, the drum break from Hunting Girl. From yet to yeah. that's a, that's an example right. of uh, there, there's like an insane drum break there, uh, where they go like yeah. a big roll and there's yeah. some kind of unnecessary extra, you know, hits after that and then a big crash and then they go into the riff again. And the first time we heard that, we were like, what the, f-? you know, it's very funny, but it's also very <laughs> yeah. cool, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's such a cool subject of uh, bands. When it comes to progressive rock, because there are there are people out there that just take it way too freaking seriously, and, and oh, I, I, oh for sure. Right. I mean, we we come from Norway. We have black metal, dude. Right. And oh if you gosh. take the irony away from black metal, if you take all the irony away from black metal, if you have like a black metal right. band being hundred percent serious, then it's quite it's sad. Like, actually, come on, like, come on, seriously. And I would agree with you. Like, there's a certain level of like. We can't be too serious doing it. Like, stop being so serious about making your music. Just have fun with yeah. it. And but when you're in these cerebral concepts, when you're in these like okay, super complex passages, and you watch Robert Fripp sit yeah. down with his headphones and just play all of his parts just with a straight yeah. face, and Neil Peart playing his drums with a straight face, 
and you're just like, are these guys, these guys are really serious about this yeah. stuff. And mm-hmm. I mean, we all know that, you know, Neil Peart and all of Rush are dorks. Like they're just, they're dorky and they're fun to, you when they just interact with each other. But yeah. there are bands out there that are like that, that are just like, get over yourself sometimes. Just have some fun. That's so fun. Just, mm-hmm. it's so encouraging to hear it too, that you guys are having a ton of fun and not giving a crap about yeah. what's coming out of these sessions. And yeah, it's great. That's, that just makes it much more enjoyable and lighter to listen to. Yeah, it's well, great. we wouldn't do it, you know. Absolutely. I, I'm talking about pretentiousness in Prog. That made me kind of, I think, three or four years late to the genre in comparison to Kristel and Morten because I just couldn't stand the pretentiousness mm-hmm. for it. And I was into Frank Zappa, so that, I mean, I, that was pretentious enough in its own yeah. way, you know, but that's how it goes when you're a young guy and everything. But uh, just when you got a little bit past you, the, the, oh, it's, I am so, this is very smart music, and you just actually listen to the music, uh, then the, all the fun, you know, uh, comes forward and and, uh, and another thing is like when this music got circulated when we were like 18 17, 18, 19 years old it was a lot of mini disc trading so we didn't have the album covers didn't know what they looked like how they acted on stage especially with Italian prog it was what, what, who yeah. are these guys and what is this stuff you know and it was um, kind of reminded me a little bit from when I even younger Christian when we had the Amiga 500 when we copied games of each other's, you just got some floppy disk with a funky name on it, and you never know what it was. You know and that it was like that with the mini disk stuff. It was like, "Has he made this? What is this?" And chip, you know, and then you're, you're yeah. off, basically. So I think maybe that was also some part of the lure because it wasn't like image, like, "Oh, look at me!" You know how pretty I am when I play the guitar. It wasn't like that. You know, it was just pure music from another time that was just like a secret space, almost. Yeah. That's super cool. Kind of. We've t- we've kind of touched on. I think we've touched on from Silence to Somewhere and Fermented Hours. But Drew, did you have any questions or anything about Foxlight in terms of the lyrics of Foxlight or any of the concepts there? Or? Uh, Foxlight was the one lyrically that seemed to elude me the most. I was I was a little confused a little bit here and there. I was actually curious about the term Foxlight. Now I, here's here's my theory. Here's my. <laughs> I said. Uh, here we go. Uh, here's here's my whole short little synopsis on this. I'm not entirely sure what this is about, but it seems to have to do with uh, with clarity and true self-realization, being able to fully understand oneself. It seems kind of metaphysical. It seems like the foxlight might be a metaphor for all the distractions in life that keep us from discovering our true selves. The message of the song is to try and resist the lure of the foxlight and continue on our journey of finding ourselves, knowing that the search is beautiful because it is eternal. The lyric, even if the pieces change, I know the journey still remains. That is my interpretation. So, yeah, how accurate? But and um, <laughs> as a how off as a co-author of that specific text, um, that's wrong. <laughs> that's wrong. No, no, it's not. You're, it was you're, like, man, you're pretty much. You're done. You're pretty much so off. <laughs> so off. I mean, there was good try, but so off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, you're. You're right. It's let me start with the name Foxlight as well. The Foxlight is actually taken from Japanese mythology. Um, they have an, uh, you know, uh, I don't, I can't. I tried just to find it on 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 Wikipedia just to because it's it's actually um, translated from from Japanese. It's uh, a mythology about light 
uh, if you wander in the forest or people wandering in the forest, they can sometimes see lights in the distance. And these lights are, you know, being a mythology, there's some, you know, supernatural origin to these lights. And uh, they, the idea is that they draw you into the wilderness, you know, to get lost. It, it's, it, it's a generic mythological tale about being lured into the forest and, you know, supernatural beings have your way with them. And, uh, but it's related to foxes in Japanese mythology because hunters used lights to, they wanted to hunt foxes, but foxes are afraid of light. So they put up, up these poles with lights to guide the foxes basically trapped them in this kind of hunt maze and at the end they, they couldn't go out because they were afraid to cross the lights so it's, it's sort of a double meaning behind it uh, on the one hand it's the light that lures you to want you to take chances to go into the huh. you know the the big enchanted forests the the the, the otherness so to speak but it's also the light that keeps you on a path that will make you trapped. So, uh, and as you said, it's about accepting, um, uh, you know, there will always be signs. I, uh, the lyrics themselves are, are a mix of, of uh, a lyric I had and a lyric that Andreas had, and we sort of melded them together. And my, um, my original idea was that uh, you have to continue on with your own, you know, your own interpretation of life because there will always be something that tries to lure you onto a different path and uh, and he of course being andreas he um, uh, incorporated um this you know more optimistic uh ending uh you know where he forever tries to escape but he must even though it may be futile to escape it's good for the mind to try to be on itself and try to escape escape even though it, you know it can be hard maybe it's impossible but uh, yeah so I, I think you summed it pretty good up in your first uh try. that's that's a really cool concept and I, thank you so much for that explanation of fox like because I, I was kind of confused as to where that came from yeah, yeah. i thought i had read some stuff I too so. about how so. foxes were we're scared of that. And so it was kind of curious to me. I was like, Foxlight, some of these lyrics seem to be implying that it's, it's, it is a lure you're going towards. But I was kind of confused by that because I'm like, wait, but they're afraid of it. It's the opposite of a lure, you know, for, for foxes. And so it was, it was, anyways, that's a great explanation. So thank you for yeah. that. It's fantastic. Just to add that, I found it now. Um, yeah, I would say the Japanese term with Kitsunebi, and it's translated into. It's an atmospheric ghost light told about in legends all across Japan. It's, an, uh, it's a light that you can see in the um, in the forest, basically. Supernatural light. Another extra layer there for you, Drew. How about that? That's that's great. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, so we we had a we had a patron question. This is our last one that we had, or last patron question that we had about uh, about you guys. And I'm, we're just gonna, we're just, I'm just gonna throw it out there. We're just gonna see what you guys have to say about this. He says a lot of people have said that Wobbler's sound is often very reminiscent of a of video game music. And for me personally, there's nothing more or nothing I want more than a video game with a soundtrack by Wobbler. Have you guys taken any influences from games and other similar media? <laughs> Marius, yes. 
<laughs> the hand too. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Because actually, you know, I got a, this is a, like a old anecdote from uh, from when we were kids. Like I told you, I, me, Morten, and Christian, we grew up at the same yeah. in the same area. Uh, I was friends with Christian on one side, and I was friends with Morten on the other side because you know Christian being one year older, I knew him through uh, we played in the Janissary band together. And uh, and Morten was a classmate of mine, and uh, I introduced them to each other over a game of Mega Man on the nice. Nintendo yep. system. F Zero, uh, not Mega Man. F Zero. No, F-Zero. no, it was earlier than that. F Zero was on the Super Nintendo, but we did like okay. for F Zero. So yeah, uh, I think actually a lot of the. The, the Nintendo, the 8-bit system music, I, I think I read an article that a lot of the people that worked with the music on those games, they were actually inspired by Italian programs. Oh, cool. And, you know, Interesting. Music. Uh, I, I think if you listen to, and it goes the other way around, I mean, some of the things why I got into Gentle Giant so easily, uh, that was like, uh, I think, the first prog band for me. Was that it's kind of game-ish some of their music and passages. Yeah. Uh, if you listen to a song like Taliban, it it kind of it could be on the soundtrack yeah. of the Zelda game, basically. So there is a connection, and uh, some of us <clears throat> are uh, pretty much game game gamers. So are, are, are any of you guys? Are you guys Sony guys? Sony Sony P, like PlayStation or? Yeah, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a PlayStation guy. Yeah! Okay, there we yeah! go. Yeah, we'll, we'll accept. We'll accept. You. I have no hate we'll on anything you. else, but it makes me happy when people because I grew up with my first. My first console was a PlayStation Two. Um, oh yeah, but uh, anyways, but no, I, know, I, 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 I like I mentioned earlier, me, me and Christian, we played a lot of this uh, Amiga Five Hundred system together because he had one and I had one, and there was some cool music on that too. And if we were a little bit more tech savvy, maybe we'd, we would have gotten into electronic music instead because a lot of people got, yeah. you know, started with that stuff, making music on the Amiga uh, and the Commodore system before that too. So, right. and I, I guess you could say the same thing like with, you know, all kind of instrumental music. I've also seen articles tying together soundtrack music to the right. burgeoning prog movement in the 70s, you know, that they listened to like a lot of film soundtracks and stuff and you have the band goblin which is basically both things and yeah so i i, I would say that there, there is a connection to to that kind of music because f- because of the nature of the music itself in games and, and movies too i guess yeah. we could mention the 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 idea that or the you know the love child we have about um playing the music to castlevania 4 with real instruments but it, Castlevania. Yeah, it, because people have done it, but it's very metalish. We would like to do it in like a '70s rock uh, gusto uh, with the classic Super Castlevania. Castlevania. Yeah, yeah, amazing yeah. Track. Yep. The soundtrack is just yeah. beyond. So because a lot of them, it's like just too metally. Uh, so that would be nice to do like a more vintage rock version yes. of those soundtracks. Or I also Russian Attack from the old NES system. Yeah. The first stage there. That tune is a banger, yeah. man. I, I love that. Yeah. 
Yeah. No, I, 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 hard game, hard game as well. I, I have to, I have to agree that uh, there are times where I'm like, oh, it'd be cool to do like a rock version of this. And whenever you try to like look something up online, most of the time the popular videos on it are all metal based. Metal and I'm like, yeah. very, like, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, that, but like, it's an overwhelming yeah. majority of all of these covers are like that. And I had the exact same thing, Destin. You and I have our little video game medley that we want to do and make like a vintage rock version of that we have a couple of tunes from different games through different eras and everything but yeah i'd love to hear that i'd love to yeah. hear that so it's not like always like do you want to hear the super mario with the seven string guitar <laughs> you know just make it like yeah oh it's so <laughs> true yeah so if you guys do that i would definitely love to hear that i'd love to hear that we should we should probably we should we should just invite marius to play the guitars and all of this video game medley that we're doing I can think, I, I can we'll get Christian to drop yeah, down yeah. a couple of bass licks on it. Like we'll get him to drop some solos and yeah. we'll just, yeah, dude. Throw in, throw in some, some classic TV tunes as well. You know, like the the theme to Airwolf. You know, that's a, that's another goodie. You know. Oh man. Oh yeah. Oh. We'll have to do that. Yeah. We'll have to do a medley at some point. That'd be fun. I had no idea. I mean, I did. I I couldn't personally hear it like strictly in the music side of things, but it's super cool to know that you guys have that in your background and are, are sort of kind of like pulling from that almost subconsciously in certain ways. It's really cool. We're ranting. Sorry. I love that. Sorry. No, it's awesome. <laughs> oh no, this, I, I love it. It's just great to hear how you guys have just a lot of just fun and well, everything is about having fun with this and creating something nice. And... But it's, it's, it's also the element just to be serious for a moment. It, it's also great to, you know, produce serious music because we we don't laugh at our own. It's not all jokes, you know, but it's it's jokes as well as the serious side. And I think uh, that's mm -hmm. that's a great combination to have because we we don't take ourselves too seriously. But obviously, yeah. we want something to you know some substantial serious element to come through as as well. But at the at the same time, we we, we uh, I think it's a important in a band and when you especially when you play for you know being being in a band for years and years and years you have to make it enjoyable you can't always focus on the seriousness of the lyrics or the seriousness of this passage this is so oh, so profound yeah maybe it is profound but at the same time you have to you know not take it that serious after all right. so uh, i think that com combination is is uh, maybe lack of it is, is a reason to why bands break up and they, you know, some band members think that the, the others are too silly and don't take this or that that serious that it, you know, supposed to be, we're supposed to be a rock and roll band, we're supposed to be a progressive rock band, we have to have yeah. you know, deep things to convey. Yeah, right. maybe you do, but at the same time, uh, have fun with it. A little bit of lightheartedness never hurt anybody, I guess. Right. And, uh, and it's also sorely needed, maybe sometimes in in a genre that can be well pretentious. Yes, yeah. no, definitely. It's a good it's a good lesson for any musicians out there, and it's great to know that you guys right. created a really great record while also enjoying yourself. Isn't that a shock? Isn't that amazing? <laughs> like, wow! Never thought we could do something like <laughs> yeah. that before. Yeah, but. But as we, yeah, I, I just remember that was when we played. But, uh, <laughs> that was another time we were in Italy playing, and we played together with uh, some terrific bands and very, very good musicians. Yeah, absolutely, like, technically just like golden gods, each and every yeah. one of them. 
And uh, I remember me and Martin, the drummer, we were sitting talking to two guys from, uh, I, I don't remember which yeah. one of those bands they were, but they're very earnest with their musicianship, you know, and it's like, it's it's the world uh-huh. to them. And, uh, and they talked about how they almost, they're like summit ice with their instrument, you know, they, I wake up in the morning and I clean all the symbols and then I do the, you know, it's like, they, they are it 100% and me and Martin was like, ah, well, we go to work and then sometimes... We pick up our instruments when we get back home. You know, it's... Uh... We come here, <laughs> do our thing. That's so cool. Yeah. That's so cool. Well, as we come to a close here, uh, I, I wanted to, I want to have, I have one question for you. Drew may have, may have another one as well, but uh, you guys have already accomplished a lot of ambitious things in your catalog of, of music being, I mean, you got lengthy epics and corporations of lots of different instruments, esoteric themes, etc. Is there something that you haven't done yet that you want to explore? Is there a box that you haven't checked off yet, so to speak? Or is there anything else that you want to Barbershop. do? Barbershop. What, what did you say? <laughs> Barbershop. Barbershop? Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah. The yeah, next Walber album is going to be a Barbershop yeah, quartet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quintets, like a vocal quintet. I have one one sort of, you can kind of call it an element or, or something. I, um, Yeah. Maybe I would, yeah, I would like to uh, draw upon more instruments, sort of like a, a, a string quartet or more uh, wind instruments to not necessarily, uh, you know, make another layer with other instrument types. Because as you've said, we, we've, we've done a lot and we've done bass, guitar, keyboard, drums. We've, we've done that and I, I enjoy it. But at the same time, uh, yeah. I feel that we could maybe um, incorporate more, yeah, like I said, strings, or the real strings. The Melaton strings sound fantastic. It's not that I'm, not that I want to drop the Melaton, but, but 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 maybe that's an area or an element we could. We, we do have a nice violinist now that we can really utilize more on new projects. The lovely Osaria. But one thing is like, yeah, we can always bring in and we will probably uh, continue to experiment with having like uh, layers of other type of instrumentation. And that's very interesting. And the music lends itself to, you know, you can bring in all kinds of, of stuff. Uh, but also maybe a little bit, uh, yeah, coming in with some influences from, you know, and, and maybe have some other influences than like the, the, the 70s sound and, and that probably being felt a little bit more. Maybe. And it's quite interesting because we did have like a gathering uh, two or three weeks ago. Yeah. Which was like the first one that we've had since forever. And, uh, you know, we jammed a little, you know, to get back on the horse, you know, get the smell of the sawdust again, you know, get the circus feeling going. And uh, we also uh, ate some good food and had a good party together. And then we listen to a lot of old recordings and there's stuff going back to 2013, you know, ideas, sketches. Andreas has a lot of things and and it's all kinds of stuff there, man. So if we can draw some things from that, it's who knows where the rabbit jumps for the next next album. That's know? great. That sounds super exciting, too. There's a lot of lot of unknown there, but a lot of things that you want to start incorporating and including and it continue to expanding, continue to expand. Yeah, and, we, and, we talk. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. And we, we talked a little bit like two and two and, you know, back and forth a little bit like what, what is, what will be, you know, the, the, the way 
from here and what kind of album will the next one be and what kind of sound are we kind of honing in on and we're in the process of discovering that you know so but i i think we'll probably start working more with new material in earnest pretty soon yeah. actually because there is a lot of stuff to draw from in addition to this uh dimension of jamming jamming together and just letting things happen too so hmm. and another another element is we've joked about making shorter songs that's a i don't know if we will manage to make shorter songs but um to put ourselves in the you know to scrutinize ourselves and say okay um maybe we don't need two songs that are 15 minutes long mm. maybe we could you know because we've we've done that and and <laughs> we've, we're going to make <laughs> new songs that are 15 minutes don't worry yeah but, but at the uh, at the same time uh, maybe we should experience experiment more <laughs> with um making songs that are you know three minutes four minutes yeah maybe a little maybe bit more like where it's at dawn actually that has like a greater number of songs and shorter songs yeah, yeah. i don't know but it's That's just great. speculation but uh we... I think we're open to try some new stuff, and we'll just see see where it goes. But I think, uh, well, I, I don't think I know <laughs> that we do have a lot of stuff to draw from, and and right. just what has what is already lying there as as like ideas and everything is very very uh, uh, varied type of stuff. Actually, it was some of the things we were talking about when we sat at Andreas's house is like, wow, this is like a really kind of you know. David Bowie in his like Berlin albums face type of thing. One thing is, and mm. another one is like full on folk with giant fuzzballs on it, and it's all yeah. it's all kinds of stuff, you know, that might might wow. happen on the next one. That's great. That's great. Drew, do you have any final questions for him? No, no. I mean, they're, they're, no, there's, we're good. Well, I, I have so many, but the problem is narrowing it down to just one, and we are running we're running pretty tight on time. So, maybe maybe an email. Of course, <laughs> or you can you know uh, I know I know that uh, our our Discord we some young young guys were nice enough to make a, a Discord. And it's a very small community, and I I know a lot of those guys also are on your Discord and everything. So you can always pop by there. I, I'm I, I'm like the the bad stepdad, you know, appearing now and then on the Discord, you know, keeping everybody from. Speaking their minds, <laughs> they actually don't, that don't let my presence. You know, you don't. Uh... Is that it, Destin, Is that how people view view me as as even less responsible than the bad stepdad, the abandoning one? Because I'm Probably. I'm like hardly ever on there. Probably, yeah, they're like you're the I absent mean, father. I, yeah, I, the I wasn't a good role model in yeah. the Discord. <laughs> well, maybe what it is, oh, but it's, it's you should have been there for us. Like but you weren't. Member, you know, lurking on the Discord. What are they saying now? You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny because I'll, I'll I'll pop in every now and then and say something, and people will be like, "Whoa, he exists!" Yeah. Well, Drew's here. Drew, Drew exists. Well, Drew actually, exists. there's a theory that I don't exist. That Destin is actually both me and Destin. <laughs> that Drew, like, there's no such thing as Drew. Okay, and yeah. I think yeah, that's my favorite conspiracy theory. Oh, yeah. that's a good it's pretty hilarious. We should we should make like a sixth, like a like a sixth member. Uh, like a composite uh, character yeah. that we can use for stuff like that, you know. So let's, yeah, uh, let's let Thomas handle the questions now, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, whatever we'll we're going to call him. We'll direct, we'll direct all questions to him for the rest Thomas of the... Thomas is good. Yeah. Tom... <laughs> yeah. 
Tom will answer everything. You know? Tom will answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, anything you would like to ask or anything, just just uh, don't be a stranger. You know, it's uh, absolutely. Maybe we can get you in our Discord. Maybe you can come join the Discord. We can we can like chat with you during in there. Possibly, I don't know. Yeah, I, but... I can I can drag my ass over there. At yeah. Point. yeah. <laughs> sure. We can get you over there, and then everybody who's listening to the show, come join the Discord. It's free. I mean, it's just you know we get to talk to all kinds of different other prog rock fans. Drew and I, possibly Marius. Who knows? Well, so but anyway, it's here. Yeah. We would like to thank everybody who's listening. Thank you so much for listening to our prog notes. Thank you guys for coming and, and being on the show and talking with us and talking about that, about the record. Thank you so much thank for having you. us. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Absolutely, this has been phenomenal. Yeah, this was real fun. These are our prog notes for "From Silence to Somewhere" by Wobbler. If you guys enjoyed the episode, learn something new from the episode, like I did. Please subscribe and share. Conversation does not have to stop here. As I've mentioned before, you can join our Discord community. It's free. The link to that is in the description. You can also become a Prognotes patron at patreon.com slash prognotes. You can get access to all kinds of extra benefits outside of our monthly ep- episodes. And speaking of really cool benefits, um, if you go become a patron, in the next week, you will be entered in a really cool special Wobbler merch giveaway. <laughs> So go check that out right now, which would be really, really cool. We got some vinyls, some T-shirts, stuff like that, that uh, Wobbler has been very, very kind to send to us. So go go become a patron. And, uh, of course, you can follow us on Instagram and or Facebook. Like I said, all the links are in this episode's description. But before we close out, Drew, why don't you tell us the next record that we're checking out on the show? What's going on? We will be interviewing Jim Gray and Sam Vallon from Caligula's Horse uh, on their 2020 record, Rise Radiant. So that'll be fun. This will be the first Australian band we've had on the show. So, very cool. Join us next time as we discover the past, present, and future of Prague Rock. We'll see you guys on Discord. Thank you, Wobbler, once again. We'll see you guys next time. Thank you. Thank you.